welcome to the Orion Open Science Podcast. I'm Emma Harris. I'm Luisa Bengtsson. And we're back broadcasting to you from Berlin, Germany. Today we're talking to Dr. Emma Doris, who is at the University of College Dublin. And she's an expert on public engagement and specifically, particularly, and of greatest interest to us in health research. Yeah. So this is Emma. I'm Dr. Emma Doris. I work in University College Dublin in Ireland. I am, I'm formerly of the Centre for Arthritis Research. Um, I am a molecular biologist by trade, but I also do an awful lot of work into public involvement in research. Um, I research into this area, particularly in um, barriers and challenges that researchers who are not public facing in their research face. Um, when trying to involve the public in the research and how we can overcome that both, um, I suppose, both at a policy level, but also at a practical level. Okay, right. And what drew you to that work? What, why did you want to do that work? It makes sense to me. Mm. It just makes perfect logical sense to me that if there is an aspect of my research that I don't have the knowledge or information on, and that I would talk to the people who do. So I work in health research. So it makes sense to me to talk to the people living day in, day out with the various diseases that I study. Um, in particular, a lot of the work I do is around either trying to understand a disease better or in trying to develop therapeutics at the early stage to treat a disease. Um, I don't know what it's like living with these diseases. And I don't know what the day-to-day -day lives of people who do live with it is like. Mm. So if I'm only relying on what's been published or said in the literature, there's a filter that's a secondary data source. So why on earth would I not go and talk to the primary data sources of the people that live with this day in, day out? Um, and having done that, I found it really beneficial to my research myself. It was a difficult thing to do, though, which is why I've kind of focused in um, trying to help other researchers to get to the stage where they can actually involve the public in their research. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's always made sense to me as well. Um, you say it's uh, difficult and certainly not a lot of researchers do do this. What are some of the challenges involved? Time. Time mm. is definitely one of the biggest. Um, and there is a sea change in certain things, even just thinking about leaving your institution, leaving the university and going out in the community um, is a little scary for some people. Um, they can talk about their science or their research to other researchers and scientists. It's, that's who they, on a day-to-day -day basis, interact with. And, you know, they can speak the same language. But when they're going out in the community, it's a little bit more vulnerable. Um, sometimes they don't have the communication skills, even just knowing where to go and um, people can be you know not everybody's a social butterfly it can be difficult to go out and ask somebody that you don't know for help yeah. i think that's a big problem with it um, and sometimes we look overlook certain things like just the vulnerability of an individual person in doing this that we tend to focus on oh they just need some training or they just need a bit of funding for it but actually we need a better environment that allows us to to do that and to say that it's okay to ask for help from people that are 
in inverted commas, non-experts or experts by experience. Um, and to admit that to the public, that actually you don't know everything. That, that's yeah. a big step for a lot of people. Yeah, no, it, I, I can totally imagine that. Um, what, I mean, what do you think um, needs to change then for this to become more common? You said it's not just training. Is it more of a culture shift that institutions need to get more behind this kind of um, public involvement in research? Yeah, it's definitely there is a culture shift needed. Um, as I mentioned, it takes time, it takes resources, it takes somebody to really put an effort in. And a lot of the time when you're doing public involvement, it's to increase the long-term impact of your research. And sometimes that might mean sacrificing some of the shorter term gains. So if you are trying to make your research more impactful, it may take longer to get your paper out because you're spending more time in the kind of upstream parts of your research. And the way the metrics that were used that were measured by in academia, because um, that's where I'm based and based in academia, are all based on short-term outputs. So if you are asking people to do more impactful research or you know better practice in research, but then you're punishing them by not recognizing that and only taking into account the short, shorter-term outputs, that's not a sustainable endeavor. It really isn't, and it, it just means that it'll be an exception rather than the rule. Yeah, so definitely a more general um, culture shift is really needed and a valuing of impact as opposed to just outputs is really important as well. I mean, what um, have you seen any kind of uh, shift in a positive direction just in the time that you've been doing this work? Or is, is it kind of a bit of an uphill struggle still? It's certainly more on the agenda in people's minds. Um, I haven't quite seen it being implemented as yet. The conversation has certainly started around it. Um, particularly where I'm based in Ireland, there has been, um, our, our national funder has been quite, um, has been quite foremost in insisting on public involvement and in developing public involvement. So that has helped. Um, but in terms of research assessment, it's still very much lagging behind. There are groups of individual researchers that are trying to get policy change, but as yet it's it's slow coming. And it's something I work um, internationally with eLife, um, the Ambassadors for Good Practice and Science. And again, there's I haven't come across anybody saying, yes, it's really valued. It's really valued for my research career, not as yet. So um, similar to other aspects of open science, um, we need to make sure that we're talking to the people that set the research um, assessment criteria, and I suppose more strategically target um, the right people to try and try and start change. Um, but it's, it's slow coming, <laughs> definitely slow coming. Yeah, I think a lot of the changes are. I mean, even within say publishing you have preprints and you've had them in physics for 30 years, but they now just ended up with a parallel system where they talk to each other with preprints, but then they uh, uh, like publish formally in journals so that they have the impact factors, so they have some way of assessing jobs and funding and so forth. So even when you have a, a culture shift, sometimes it's not enough to, to kind of 
really make that kind of transformation. Um, so yeah, I think change is slow. Um, but yeah, it's good when the funders get on board. Um, I wanted to just circle back more to your specific research. Um, and kind of when you had your kind of open science eureka moment, when was the, the moment when you kind of thought, ah, we should be doing things differently? I suppose I always thought it. And the opportunity to actually do something didn't arrive until I was in my second postdoc. Um, so, you know, about kind of six years into an academic career um, before I actually felt supported enough by my mentors, by my PI, that um, I would be supported to actually make change. Um, and I think that's very, very important to your immediate environment, the immediate people around you and how they will support you with it is extremely important because if you have somebody who just doesn't think it's doesn't think it's worth anything, then you're not going to do it. Um, so it took, yeah, it took that length of time before I was comfortable enough to say, no, I think we actually need to move on this and do something about it. Um, and yeah, I, I suppose the national setting as well here, having that kind of stick coming down from the top from the funders definitely helped mm. um, in that there was a little bit of a wider environmental change as well. Um, there's still not a huge uptake, um, but it is getting more notice. Um, but yeah, the, the people that I was surrounded by changed and allowed me to... Um, do not just what was the norm, but what I thought was best. And that was really important having that support. And what kind of practically did it look like? I mean, like what, what, if someone, if a researcher was listening to this and they think, oh yeah, this is, this is exactly the kind of thing I want to do. What's their next step? So you need to know who you're engaging and why you want to engage with them. A lot of the, Big thing that we have is people come to me and say, I want to involve the public. And I say, why? What is it you're trying to improve in your research? And they haven't really thought about it. Which means that if you're going out to engage a public and you don't really know what you want to do, and they're unfamiliar with research generally, and then it just leads to a big black hole where nobody knows what's quite going on. Um, mm. So if you spend time thinking about what you want, looking about the resources that are available to you and thinking about some really practical aspects. The practicalities are really what will make or break it. So things like don't just expect people to come in to a university. Universities are terrifying places for the vast majority of people. But because we work here day in, day out, we don't realize it. We don't realize that the fact that having a doctor in front of your name is you know, that's really off-putting to people. Um, so things like instead of waste, trying to get the community to come into you, going out into your community is really, really the best way to do it. So find, you know, find an event that's on locally and go out and listen at first and build up some of those relationships and then say, actually, I'm doing Project X or Project Y. Could I, could I you know, take you out for coffee someday and just ask your opinion on it? Um, and and kind of getting changing the power dynamic is really the key so it's not that you're inviting somebody in to a very exclusive place like a hospital setting or a university setting or an institution setting 
where they're already on the back foot and then you're telling them about something they may not be familiar with and then asking for their input, it's unlikely you're going to get real honest feedback there. You need to spend the time in building up the relationships and being part of your community to really kind of break down the barriers. And um, if what you want is a peer-to-peer -peer dialogue, then that can sometimes take work, but the work is really, really worth it. I generally say if, I, if I'm going out to something and nobody is disagreeing with me, then I haven't done it properly. Should be an environment where people can tell me that what I'm saying is wrong and that they don't agree with it, that they have a different view. That's what you should be aiming to make it comfortable enough so you can just have a dialogue with people and really get to understand not what they think you want them to hear, but what they actually think about things. Yeah. Um, and that relationship building is often overlooked, but it is so critical so critical i see yeah yeah no that makes sense about the, the 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 power imbalance and so forth and i mean what kind of benefits can researchers gain from it i mean you mentioned this a little bit at the start but i mean what what's in it for them uh i i assume they're going to have a more uh, longer term impact you mentioned but in terms of the actual research itself um what can the public offer it really depends on the type of research um, that you're doing, the level of involvement that you can have. A lot of us, we confuse our methodology and our research desperately, especially I, I work in lab-based research. So a lot of people, they think of their research as what happens in the lab. Research is a much longer process than that, right from the concepts to all the development of things that go in before you ever get to the lab and everything that happens with the creation of, you know, your outputs and the dissemination of those after. And we often don't give an awful lot of, um, or we often don't give enough thought to what goes either side of actually your methodology. In every aspect of those parts, so in the concept, in the development of the question, in making sure that the research is, you know, that it's actually relevant to society. Um, in the transparency of what you're doing. I mean, I'm publicly funded, so I need I have a duty to be transparent in what I actually do with, with public money, which means I need to be able to communicate that. Sometimes, you know, that's a difficult thing to do. So even having a bit of mentorship around, uh, is what I'm saying actually what I think I'm saying? Or like, do you understand what I mean? Um, that kind of mentorship is really good. But most importantly, they you get asked different questions. You just get challenged in a different way than you do in an academic setting. So you're made to think differently about your research than you otherwise would. And that's one of the things we're often trying to build, like case studies to kind of showcase how, how impactful it can be. And it's like, how do you showcase a, a, you know, a change in the way you think? It's a really, really difficult thing to do. Um, but there are some of the key, key parts. And we're often very much driven by the evidence base, but public uptake of your research isn't just driven by the evidence. It's also driven by the public perceptions and by culture, how accepting people will be of that evidence. And sometimes we need to think about perceptions as well as about evidence, especially if you're working on you know, gene therapy or if you're working on really any aspect that's going to impact the public you need to actually understand not just what the evidence thinks but what the public generally thinks and um, to make sure that what you're doing is relevant and um, so 
it can really help with that. And it helps to slightly move the goalposts to so that whereas before you might have considered that the end of your project or the end of you know this piece of research was a publication. Well, maybe it's making sure it gets brought into, you know, be put down in front of the policymakers or it's put down in front of the people who can take that piece of research on and improve it um, and develop upon it. It just changes those goalposts being asked um, different questions. But when we give our workshops, we all, obviously we mention these things like public engagement, um, citizen science and, and science communication. And rarely, but occasionally, we will get a researcher saying, well, I can't even manage to explain my research to my mum. So how, how, am I, how are the public going to be interested? It's not even that they can't understand. It's not an elitism thing. I think it's more simply that they fear that their research is not of interest to the public. Um, so what would you say to people who feel like that? Yeah, a lot of people think that it's either may not be of interest or it might be too complex or it's too upstream from when the public will actually get to use it. You know, it's too abstract. It's not the experience we've had when actually dealing with the public. They are fascinated by what's going on behind the scenes. They really want to know what's happening and what's in the pipeline. And they tend to be far more supportive of it and far more supportive of high risk research um, than people in academia are. Um, so a lot of it will depend on how you're engaging your public um, and where you're going to kind of actually get in, input on your research. So if you're going to people that have no interest in it, then, you know, it may not be the best involvement. But um, I think a couple of things. First of all, public, the public are excellent mentors in actually communication in plain English. It's one of the things that we always do with our new PhD students and our new postdocs now is that they have a public mentor. And one of the first things they have to do is explain the project in plain English and have the mentor help them. Um, because, yeah, our, the, the way we are trained in research is to speak with a high degree of specificity and within a certain, um, with a certain phrasing. Yeah. which is not how you really need to understand who your target audience is and make sure that the information you're giving is accessible to them. So that's where interacting with the public can be really beneficial. But you do need to have relationships with whomever that audience is to understand what their information needs are. But there are people that can help you with that. And like there are so many highly skilled people that have a genuine interest in all aspects of of research. I mean, if your research didn't have a, um, you know, a societal or a or public impact, you probably wouldn't be being funded for it. You know, you, you've made the argument to most people during their funding application as to why this is important, and then they kind of, on the other hand, say, "Well, I don't know how how much the the public would actually be interested in it." But go and ask. Don't put people's you know, don't put words in people's mouths. Go, you don't actually know until you go and you find out. And maybe part of it is that you need to build the skills to be able to communicate it better. And that's absolutely where the public can come in to help you do that. So, you know, you get a couple of non-scientific mentors in and they help you with that. And suddenly your sphere of influence, both who you are influencing and who is influencing you, is huge. And you, the people that you um, 
interact with and network with about your research increases as well, which can only be a good thing, really. I think Emma really said all the important points. Um, I mean, basically, we need support to communicate, we as scientists, or, well, yeah, if this is something that you do kind of as on the side, I'm doing citation marks, on the side, I, I personally think it's part of the job of the scientist. It's in most cases viewed as something you just do as a hobby, mm -hmm. kind of on the side if you're interested, and yeah. Um, and we definitely need um, time support for that, if that's supposed to be part of our daily activities, right? It's um, basically, uh, as a scientist, you're not really paid or valued or uh, promoted on, on your communication abilities. Sure. But um, I think we were talking about this now in, uh, we gave a recently a workshop in Copenhagen, and there was a lot of uh, first-year PG students. Actually, most of them just started, like, weeks before the workshop on open science, which was kind of cool. Um, and they were already stressing about the time and, uh, yeah, how can I do all those activities? So I have to do the research and I have to communicate and I have to be on Twitter and I have to do open science now as well and I don't know when to do it. And the only answer that's, um, that I can come up, come up with is basically you don't have a choice. Like, mm. you cannot choose not to communicate anymore, right? I mean, if you don't, someone else will, and then you might not like it. So um, it's up to you. But of course, communication also is a skill and needs to be learned. And yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that I liked about what Emma was saying was that um, the public or members of the public can act as a mentor for scientists in communicating. So they actually you kind of learn by doing. So does you kind of go and form a relationship with someone in the community and say, does this make sense to you? Is what I'm saying clear? And that's a really interesting kind of twist on the science communication training that I've come across so far. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of taking this idea of uh, telling grandmother what you're doing and then grandma going like, eh, don't get it, and then you try again. But like, yeah, in a more structured way. Uh, yeah, I, it's a really cool idea going back to what you were saying, time and support. And Emma herself said that she didn't start this until her second postdoc because that was it took until then that she felt supported and um, had that space to follow this. Mm. I think also often when we talk about communicating public, public engagement, somehow it becomes equivalent to public speaking. Yes. But that's not really true. So... You know, just writing a Wikipedia entry, um, mm -hmm. it's also communication and um, it's something you can do in quite short time and, you know, any time. And it has huge impact. Like everybody goes to Wikipedia. Yeah. Also scientists to look at other scientists. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know I do. Um, I, I That's definitely true. And also I think, you know, you can go and, and form more small group relationships. You don't have to be standing in the village hall talking to 200 people. Mm. What also really resonated with me, what she said, was the part about we tend to think of research as something happening in the lab. Like, you know, someone is standing there pipetting, pipetting, that's research. If this person is thinking or reading or 
I don't know, doing whatever before and after, um, that's not seen as a part of research, right? It's mm -hmm. just this action in the lab. So we often tend to think that, well, I cannot involve someone else in my research because, I mean, well, it's a skill, yeah? It's a, it's a craft to be able to pipe it, <laughs> and uh, which it is, really, I mean, really, really. I believe you, I believe it is. <laughs> no, but uh, I think that was really important what you said. Basically, there are, this whole life cycle of a research project, it has so many points and, like, nodes of interaction that we are not really exploring yet, um, any project. There's always a place for... Um, consultation, fresh ideas, um, discussion, and so on. We need to broaden our understanding of what research is and how good research is done. Yeah. Thank you for listening. As always, this podcast was brought to you by the Orion Open Science Project, which is an EU-funded project. The sound mixing is done by Paolo Oliveira, and the music is was produced and composed by Fabio De Miguel. You can also follow us on Twitter at OOSP underscore OrionPod. Uh, please tweet us, message us, whatever you feel like. You can also email us directly at orion at mdc-berlin.de. And uh, we look forward to having you join us for the next episode. Bye. Bye.